Hey everyone, welcome back to the Holy Girl Hotline. I'm your host, Sid, and I want to go ahead and make a preface. Like, if y'all hear a lot of background noise, I'm so sorry. It's midday on a Friday, and there's, like, so much going on outside my window right now. And, you know, hopefully, like, I can take out as much background noise as possible, but if not, I apologize in advance. But, um, I hope you guys are doing well. I hope you had a great week. I am so excited to be recording today. Um... I'm really excited about this topic, but before I jump into it, I just want to, like, praise report because, y'all, I've had, like, such a good week. Like, this week has actually been so incredible, I can't even express. Like, school has been busy and life has been busy as usual, like, school and extracurriculars, but I can't help but notice something different, like, in my spirit and just, like, in my mentality and in my mindset towards life and, like, my outlook towards life right now. Like, I don't know, I can't really explain it, but, like, I'm just so, so grateful for what God is doing in my life. I'm, like, watching him move in so many ways. And, like, I'm just seeing him bring people into my life that I know are going to be, like, influential. People that have already been here and new people that he's bringing in. Like, I just reconnected with an old friend who we didn't really know we had the connecting point of faith. And we just started talking about our faith. And, and, you know, now she's been, like, such an accountability partner for me and, like, just a beautiful sister in Christ to have and it's just been so beautiful like hanging out with her we're reading like C.S. Lewis together and it's just been so edifying and just like talking about our struggles and all the different things and that we've been through in our lives and just building one another up it's been so beautiful and I'm just so so grateful for God like bringing people like that into my life because life is really about the relationships and like I realize it more and more as I get older, but like how fulfilling good friendships are because school is like so exhausting and life itself is so exhausting. But like if you have good people around you, they really just pour back into you. And I don't know, it's just been because of that. Like it's been such a good week. And then like also I'm in this group for one of my classes and one of my group members just like she invited me over after class and we just like talked about some of the books she's reading and stuff like that and she's also a believer and it was just like so edifying and I was like wow god like I can see like your fingerprints in my life right now and it was just like so it was so beautiful and I'm just really really grateful for him and because of that like this week has just been so good and it's so important to have Christian community around you because they really do build you up and encourage you and hold you accountable and like walk this walk of life with you because this walk is not easy you know so I don't know. It's been a really good week. Like, I'm in such a positive mood. I'm really just grateful. I've been praying so much, just feeling the presence of God. I've been having so much joy. And I'm just, like, truly, truly, like, resting and abiding in Him right now. So I'm really, really good. Like, I'm really good. Anyways, that was a tangent. But, like, I'm so good. And so, like, right now I'm really excited to be recording because I feel like this topic is one that, like I said, I'm passionate about. Um, This is the second part of Make a Defense. And as I mentioned in the intro episode, this is something that I really, really am into, which is apologetics and like super excited to share what the Lord has taught me about it. And um, I'm just really excited to kind of jump into the first part of it. Today, we're going to be talking about truth, um, which can seem like a very daunting and huge topic to cover. But... I hope that today I can break it down in a way that's easy to understand and in a way that's like exciting and excites you to engage in more conversations about your faith and about apologetics or just in your daily interactions with your friends or your family, um, give you more equip equipment 
to best navigate those conversations because it can be tough without any tools. So hopefully this episode will provide you with yet another tool in your tool belt to defend the gospel. So with that being said, I'm going to go ahead and jump into like why I'm even doing this topic because I already had talked about how I was going to do make a defense, but why particularly am I doing truth, right? So I mentioned earlier that I was hanging out with this friend and we're reading C.S. Lewis together. The book that we're reading is Mere Christianity. And in it, C.S. Lewis like builds a defense for Christianity like from the ground up, starting with the idea of like an objective moral law and like an objective moral standard that all humans adhere to, right? And so like that really encouraged me to do an episode on objective truth because I feel like it's a good foundation for our like beliefs. It's a good foundation for our belief in the existence of God and like the fact that there's only one way to the Father, which is Christ. That can't be true if there is no like objective moral standard, right? So that's why I really wanted to do this topic. I just felt super led to do so. And it's something that I would looked into a lot while I was in like, uh, like a couple years ago, I'd really looked a lot into the argument of objective truth. So I feel like I have some experience with it, both like knowledge wise and then also in conversation. So I want to talk about like some of the most effective strategies for me. Okay, so before I jump specifically into the strategies, I'm going to talk a little bit about the definition of truth and some of the three kind of major views on truth that you may come across in conversation. And I feel like it's important to know what those mean when you're in a conversation so you can learn to identify them and then learn how to be best equipped to diffuse them if it is a view that you need to diffuse in your argument. So the first one, which is a belief that most Christians or like most believers Um, hold is that truth is objective so this idea of objective truth says that truth holds true (laughs) like a statement of fact holds true regardless of the beliefs of the subject making the statement so for example it doesn't matter who says it it doesn't matter what your opinion is objective truth is not based in opinion it is strictly based in fact and it's saying whether you acknowledge it as true or not this is what the truth is right and so it's a it's a version of truth that is established in it by a source external to human opinion in our case that means god right so we we believe that truth is established by god that's what we believe his law is right it's him revealing what is right and what is wrong that is that is an objective absolute truth that god has established for us Okay, so that's the idea of objective truth. Just remember, it's objective. It doesn't matter what your subjective opinion is. It completely is dependent on absolutes, fact, and it's established by God. doesn't matter your opinion. Okay, so hopefully that makes sense. On to the next one. The next form of truth is subjective truth. And that is defined as the way that an individual sees or experiences the world. Now, Objective truth and subjective truth don't necessarily have to be opposed. Subjective truth is simply how a person decides to relate to or subject themselves to or commit themselves to an objective truth, right? And so if objective truth is some outward, external, established fact and truth and law, then subjective truth is an inward acceptance or rejection of that law, right? Okay, so basically objective truth It is what it is. It doesn't depend on your opinion. Subjective truth is whether or not you choose to believe it. I hope that makes sense, but let me give an example to kind of like solidify that even further. So here's an example. An objective acknowledgement of God as creator and sustainer of the universe. That is the objective truth. So we as Christians believe the objective truth, regardless of whether or not people to believe it or not, is that God is the creator of the universe. So 
Let's take two examples. We have one person who decides to deny this truth and to live according to their own standard. They refuse to subject themselves to this objective reality and they create an obs- and sorry, they create a subjective truth through unbelief in the objective truth. Their unbelief, however, does not make this objective reality untrue. Just because someone chooses to disbelieve in God, just because someone chooses to reject God, does not make God any less true. Because the objective truth is not dependent on our opinion. Okay? But then let's take another example. Another person, like us, we decide to submit to the will of God, we subject ourselves to His objective truth, and we live according to His standard, and our belief creates our subjective reality. But even our belief does not make God's existence true. Because like I said earlier, God's existence is the objective truth and it remains true regardless of if we believe in it or not. Okay, so objective truth is irrespective of opinion. Objective truth doesn't care who believes in it or not. Even if it's a minority that agrees with it or believes in it, it is still the truth because it's objective and it exists outside of our opinion. This definition of subjective truth that I just gave is not the one that's typically used nowadays. This was the original intent for subjective truth by the one who, some philosopher who created subjective truth, like the idea or the concept of subjective truth. But now subjective truth kind of gets roped more into the idea of relative truth, okay? So relative truth is what we're going to be talking about for most of this episode. It's going to be the form of truth that we're going to hit on most. Relative truth is different. Relative truth is one person's belief is their own truth, and another person's belief is their truth, and that there is no objective standard. There's no right and wrong, okay? So let's take the same example, right? Someone chooses not to believe in God. Even though we know God is the objective standard, we know that he is a reality, that he exists outside of space, time, and matter, and that he is not dependent on human belief to exist. But let's say that we have a person who doesn't believe that God exists. The view of relative truth would say that that person can have their own truth. In their bubble of reality, God does not exist, and that is their truth. But me, someone who believes in God and submits to his will, that's my truth. God is my truth, and God makes up my reality. The idea of relative truth says that the truth in our reality is relative. I can have a different version of truth than you can, You can have a different version of truth than I can, and our realities are completely dependent on our own opinions. Now, I'm hoping you're seeing some red flags with this view already, because it's extremely logically flawed, and we'll jump into the idea of that later. But yeah, that's basically relative truth. It kind of overlaps with subjective truth nowadays, because they kind of get roped in together. So some of the biggest arguments you'll hear is objective truth versus relative truth. Relative truth, like I said... It's based in opinion. Objective truth is based in fact. Okay? So, this idea of relative truth is really prominent in our culture right now because our culture seeks to affirm and accept and love and, you know, uplift everybody's view and everybody's opinion. Relative truth is very prominent in this culture that seeks to affirm because it says, well, you can't infringe on somebody else's version of truth. You can't attack or go against or contradict anybody else's version of truth. They have their truth, so they can live in their reality, and you have your truth, so you can live in your reality. You can't step on each other's toes. You can't challenge each other. There's no right and wrong. Everybody can be right. There's multiple ways, this, this, and that, right? But we, as believers in Christ, know that there is one way to the Father. And Christ says that no one can come to the Father except through Him. 
that means that all other religions are false and following any other religion will not get you to the father and will not get you to heaven. Any other religion is false and any other religion is a deception and a lie. We know this because that is what Christ tells us in the word. He says that he is the objective standard. He is the objective truth and nobody can come to his father except through him. Okay, so that's why Christians, we believe that truth is an objective thing defined by the Bible, defined by the word of God. It's not something that we can decide for ourselves within our own individual bubbles. Okay, so this culture, the culture buys into the idea that truth is relative and it's really just a lie from Satan, because if Satan can tell us that we can all create our own truth, first, we all become our own God. We all become our own deity because we get to create our reality and we get to create our truth and we get to create what we buy into and decide what's right for us and what's wrong for us. But we can't hold anybody else accountable and tell them what's right and what's wrong. So if Satan can tell us this lie and we buy into it, then we become our own gods and we don't see the need for the objective God. We don't see the need for some objective moral standard because why? We can make our own truth. We can make our own reality. We can define what's right and wrong for ourselves. And that's the same lie that he used with Adam and Eve. He told them that they could essentially be their own God. He told them essentially that they didn't need God. They didn't need to listen to his word. They didn't need to follow his commands. They could define what was right and wrong for themselves. And it couldn't be that bad to eat the fruit. They could define what was good and what was evil for themselves, right? So Satan is still using that same trick and that same deception, except that he's using it on today's culture by saying, you can define what's right and wrong for yourself. You can define what is truth, what is evil, what is good, what is good, and what is bad for you, but don't force that on anybody else, okay? So ultimately, this just creates a culture where no one is held accountable to a standard of truth, because without an objective truth, without an absolute version of truth, there can be no morality, there can be no right and wrong, there can be no justice, and it's literally just anarchy, because it's like, everybody becomes their own god, everybody becomes their own standard, you can't hold anybody else accountable to your standard, because that's your truth, and you can't infringe on anybody else's, right? And so it just creates this big mess of relativity, and it honestly doesn't even hold up logically. And people can claim that they believe in a relative truth, but as soon as you start to question the argument, you will realize that nobody actually believes this. Nobody actually believes that truth is a relative thing that everybody can define for themselves because the society that we exist in and the rules that we like functionally exist under are not relative. They're very absolute. And this is what C.S. Lewis is really arguing in his book, Mere Christianity, which I encourage everyone to read. But like, he literally talks about how whether or not we acknowledge it or not, like there is an objective moral law that we all follow. There's a moral code that we all follow. And it's not just based on our instincts. And it's not just even based on what society has told us. There is an internal law that is written on our hearts that we all follow. And that's consistent with the Bible because the Bible says that God has written the law on our hearts and we have a conscience and we know what's right and wrong based on our creator. And that is an objective thing, whether we choose to acknowledge it or not. So this relative truth argument, it breaks down very easily. So now I'm going to give you some tactics and some methodology to really break it down because I have two ways that I like to do this in conversations and it's really, really simple and it's something that can come very easily with practice. You just have to be equipped with like how to best go about it, right? Um, and conversations are nuanced. I wouldn't say this is like formulaic and you should approach every conversation the same exact way, but this is a good general tool, some good general arguments to combat this silly idea that truth can be subjective or relative to everyone because it's not right we know as humans that there's a right and wrong 
okay? So let me give you the first method and how to do this. Let's say that you're in a conversation with someone who claims to not believe in God because they have their own truth. It's okay that you believe in God because that's your truth. But for me, I have my own truth. I don't believe in God. That's my truth, okay? Let's say you're in a conversation with someone like that. So as I mentioned in the last Make a Defense episode, I think it was like episode six, maybe? Let me check. Yeah, episode six. So if you haven't listened to episode six already, dang, I should have said this in the beginning. But like, if you haven't listened to episode six, definitely do so for some more context. Um, but basically, the best way to break down an argument is with asking questions because questions expose people's vulnerabilities in their arguments and exposes their uncertainty in their own beliefs. You know, it's one thing to be in a conversation with somebody and feel like all the burden is on you to do all of the explaining and all of the defense and everything like that. But that just makes it a lot of work for you, honestly. And I know, like, we're confident in what we have to say, but sometimes a really great tactic to, like, having a conversation with someone or debating with someone is really just to make them explain what they believe. Because a lot of times they'll realize they can't and it doesn't make any sense. And then they just sound foolish. And it really exposes the weak points and the inconsistencies in their own arguments. So let's let's do this by asking questions, right? So another tip I have, like when you're in these types of conversations is to stay calm. Don't become emotional or angry because we're representing Christ when we have these conversations with people of the world, okay? We're not here to defend ourselves. We're not here to make much of ourselves or glorify ourselves. We are here strictly to represent Christ, to defend his gospel like the Bible tells us to do. But make sure that you're doing it in a way that has upright character in a way that doesn't become angry or show works of the flesh, but rather make sure you're showing the fruit of the spirit in everything that you're doing. So remain calm and kind and respectful and and just be cognizant of who you're representing while you have these conversations, okay? So with that being said, here's the way that the first way that I have that you could break down the relative truth argument. So what I would do, like I said, is use a question. I would ask the person you're talking with about some generally agreed upon moral failure. For example, a good one that I always use is Hitler or slavery, right? Because these are generally agreed upon bad things in history. Like nobody, it is rare that you're going to come across somebody that's defending Hitler, right? It's rare you're going to come across somebody that says Hitler was a good guy and what he did was right. And it's rare, especially in this culture, that you're going to find somebody who defends slavery and says that it was right. And if you do, then you have a lot more things to worry about in that conversation. <laughs> but let's just say you run into someone, you're having this conversation, bring up a generally agreed upon moral failure. So let's take Hitler, for example, right? Without an objective moral standard, without an exact objective standard of right and wrong, that person cannot truly believe that Hitler was evil or that slavery is wrong, right? So ask them, do you think Hitler was wrong? Do you think Hitler was evil? Because if they say that truth is relative, then in Hitler's mind, in Hitler's reality, in Hitler's truth, what he was doing was absolutely justified. What he was doing was absolutely right and pure. He thought he was doing the right thing. He thought he was doing a good thing by by causing a genocide, right? So the relative truth view cannot hold Hitler accountable and cannot condemn Hitler for his actions because in his mind what he was doing was right and that's his truth right but we as humans generally will admit that we believe that Hitler's actions were wrong why is this because we all adhere to some objective moral standard standard whether we acknowledge it or not so they have no way to hold Hitler accountable they have no way for Hitler to be held to justice for his actions in their view he shouldn't be punished at all 
There should be nothing done to him because he was operating in his truth and in his reality and in his definition of good and evil. So he shouldn't be punished. And if you bring that up to somebody who is a relative truthist, truthist, truther, I'm gonna call them a relative truthist. I don't even think that's a term. But if you bring this up to somebody who's a relative truthist, they're gonna be like, no, of course not. I think Hitler should be punished. He should be condemned, this, this, and that for his actions. And it's like, okay, but in your viewpoint, you can't, you can't justify that. People who are relative truthists can't condemn slavery because the people, the slave masters, the people who ran slavery thought what they were doing was right. They were operating in their reality. They were operating in their truth. So who are you to say that their truth is wrong and your truth is right? Who are you to say that your truth is better than their truth? Because all truth is relative and yours isn't better than theirs, is it? So it really just breaks itself down because if you bring up any moral failure, they will either have to agree with a moral failure or they will have to admit that there is some objective standard of good and evil. And that right and wrong, what we're arguing is that right and wrong is objective and it's outside of whether or not we believe it or not. It's outside of whether or not we acknowledge it or not. It's not established by us. It is established by God and he determines what is right and wrong. And we, as his creation, happen to fall under that order. And we generally agree with him on what is right and wrong in our conscience because it's written on our heart. Whether we believe in him or not, we would all agree Hitler needs to be punished and held accountable for what he does. And thankfully, our God is a just God who is a judge and holds accountable and punishes for sin. You don't have to believe in God to know that there's some objectivity to how we view right and wrong. You don't have to believe in God to know that there's something outside of us that makes us do what we do. Right. So that's one tactic. And then another simple one is just to break down their argument with the argument itself. Right. So relative truth. If someone says that truth is relative, they are making a statement of fact. A statement is a fact is an objective truth. So the person who's saying truth is relative is making an objective truth statement. So a simple way to answer truth is relative is to ask, is that the truth? Literally, just ask them the question back. Because if somebody says truth is relative, you could say, well, that's true for you, but not for me. And then it just becomes this circular reasoning type of argument that doesn't defend itself logically. Because to say that truth is relative is to make an absolute statement of fact. It, it doesn't make sense, right? It's a logical fallacy, and it's very, very easy to break down with just a simple question, a simple response. Okay, so this is something that... You know, it takes practice, but when you think about it, it's really, really simple. We know that we have the truth in Christ. We know that the Bible is true. We know the word of God is true, right? And he's given us all of these tools to be able to defend it. So I'd encourage you, like when you're in conversations like this, don't be timid or hesitant because it's us that has the truth. We should be confident in the truth that we have. But there's really, really good tactics to break down these arguments that the world will present against Christ because... They just don't logically hold up. You don't even have to use... I talked about in the last episode about using the Bible as your basis of truth when other people don't believe in the Bible. There's so many external arguments outside of the Bible that you can use to defend, you know, right and wrong, that you can defend, use to defend the gospel without using the Bible as your basis. And these two examples I just gave you, I didn't quote a Bible verse. I didn't use a scripture. I didn't I didn't do anything like that. I just used logical arguments to disprove an idea that's based in, in lies and deceit, and it's a fallacy. It's a logical fallacy. You can't say that truth is relative, but then believe in justice. Because believing in justice means that you believe there's a right and there's a wrong. 
But if you think truth is relative, there is no right and wrong. And you can't believe that people should be punished for wrong actions if you don't believe that there's an objective wrong. There has to be an objective right or wrong if you believe people should be held accountable to it. So that's just a very logical argument for why there is an objective standard of right and wrong that is defined outside of us in God. And then, you know, resolving that part of the argument can lead into so many other opportunities like that, right? But it's just logical, you guys. Like, if somebody says the truth is relative, they're making an objective statement. That's logic. And you can literally use that to break down the argument in two seconds. And be kind and respectful and loving about it. Don't be facetious and don't be like sarcastic about it or, you know, holier than thou about it or anything like that. But it's just logical. And it really doesn't make sense when you think about it. It's not hard to defend. It's not hard to um, to dispute. It's not hard to debate. Just use good tactics. So to recap, I know that was a lot that I just dumped on y'all, but I hope it all makes sense. Basically, the gist of it is this. Truth is objective. If we are going to believe that there's a right and a wrong, and if we're going to believe in a society that upholds justice and righteousness and uprightness, and we want to punish wrongdoers, and we want to hold people accountable, and, and we want to progress in society, we then have to believe that there's a standard of right and wrong. We have to believe that there is an objective right and there is an objective law. Wrong. If we didn't, then we wouldn't have a law. We would just be a lawless society. So it would be foolish not to acknowledge that there is an objective, absolute truth. And there's simple tactics you can use to prove that and to defend that. So I hope that really helps. I don't want to like make the scene like this is like some argument that like would never come up because you would be surprised on how many people like I've talked to so many people about like Christianity and just asking them about their beliefs and people who like claim to follow Christ in different ways because I have my way of following Christ and they have their way of following Christ but it's like no there's one objective way like there is a right way and there is a wrong way you know obviously there's going to be variations I'm not saying that like I'm not saying that I'm not saying that like everybody doesn't have their own relationship with God but what I am saying is that you can't live in the world you can't live in sin you can't live lawlessly and then be like I follow Christ well, Christ tells us objectively in his word that like, there is a way to follow him and there is one way to the Father, which is him. And he is truth. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And that's it. Like that is objective and that is a standard. So like this comes up in conversations a lot. And people will tell me that like they have their own relationship with God and they don't need to be judged. And I'm like, I'm not judging you. I'm just holding you accountable to the standard that God has set, you know? Like, if God objectively tells us in his word that this is what we need to do to follow him, then there's no room for subjectivity or relativity to say that, like, I can do it this way and you can do it this way when God objectively defines what it is he wants us to do in order to be righteous. So it does come up. I hope this helps, and I hope it's practical. Um, I really love having these kinds of conversations, like, apologetics-wise. Um, and it really is just simple and you can, you know, take that and make it your own, craft your own arguments. But I will say, just be ready to give a defense. Like the word says, be ready to give a defense, be ready to defend the gospel. Make sure you're just equipped so you don't get caught in conversations and situations where you need to make a defense or where you need to, you know, prove what you believe to somebody or defend the truth. But if you're not able to do that because you're not ready and you're not equipped. So just make sure you're ready. That's all and um enjoy it like walk with him pray ask him for help some like tactics that i use to practice this is i'll just like have a conversation with a friend or something where they play you know 
they'll play someone in the world and I'll play, you know, myself trying to defend it or something that I do with my family group, which is like a small group that I lead um, every week out of my church is like I'll put some questions that people typically ask up on the board and we'll go through and we'll take turns like defending it and I'll play devil's advocate and I'll like refute them and I'll ask questions and from conversations that I've had and I'll ask them worldly arguments and they'll have to defend it with either scripture or logic or historical evidence anything that they can use to prove it but like just having those conversations with friends or in controlled environments will help you to get so so much better about it so that when these situations do come up in real life you're you're like ready and you're equipped to handle them because we never want to be in a situation where someone is curious or somebody asks us about Christ or somebody brings up something about I don't know, truth, like something like this. And you can't answer it because you haven't put in the work to understand it. And you haven't put in the work to like craft your argument and make a defense. It's important that we're able to defend Christ everywhere we go because it's important that like we live like him. So when people see our living, they are become curious. Um, they ask questions. Like I never, I rarely bring it up even. Like I'm saying all this with passion because it's like, I rarely ever will start a conversation about Christ out of the blue. Like, I won't just, like, bring it up out of nowhere. Some people do that, and that's great. But for me personally, I don't really just start conversations out of nowhere. For me, it'll come from somebody asking me a question or we'll be speaking of a topic that I could insert Christ into the conversation or we'll be having some type of philosophical conversation or debate and I can bring Christ into it and I can bring religion or not even religion, I don't like saying that, but like bringing morality into it, anything like that, any opportunity you get to insert Christ into the conversation, you never want to miss those opportunities because you're not ready and because you haven't prepared. So like make sure you're putting the work in to be able to defend what we believe because it's getting rough out here, y'all. Like they don't like us. They don't like those who follow Christ. They didn't like Christ back in the day. The disciples got killed brutally for what they believed. And even now, like, praise God, we're not getting killed where we are, but like, it's not easy in our social circles. And it's not easy where we grow up in this culture and in this society being a Christian, like, it's not popular. So you need to learn and like, put the work in and prepare to defend your faith um, for when the opportunity arises. Because you don't want to let those opportunities pass you by when it could be somebody's soul on the line, like you never know where a conversation will go. So go about it graciously and with kindness and love. And just be ready to defend the truth because it's real, y'all. It's real out here. But yeah, y'all, that's all I got for today. I really hope this episode helped um, helped you understand kind of the different views of truth and which ones we as Christians abide by and then how to best defend that to other people and how to diffuse some arguments. I really, really hope it was helpful and not too complicated. I was trying to make it as simple as possible. But definitely let me know. Give me feedback on what you guys thought and... Um, your thoughts about the episode and if this helps you or if you ever have an experience or conversation with it let me know because I would love to know if it's helped like I've used these tactics literally in my own conversation so let me know if it's helpful to you and um, give me suggestions topic suggestions feedback anything if you just want to talk or you need advice I got you just hit me up on Instagram at holy girl hotline and I love you so much thank you for taking some time to listen and hang out with me today and I hope you have a great rest of your day and week and I love you Bye.